Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. If you got your Bible, your iPhone, your iPad, your eyeballs, let's make our confession this morning, shall we? This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient. And I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Father God, we come to you this morning and we so thank you that even when we make mistakes, you just smile and you just go on. And Lord, you care for us. We thank you that as we come today and look into your word, that we pray that this is not just a Christmas service, but Lord, that you speak reality and life to us today in areas where we need. And Father, I pray right now that you let your Holy Spirit flow through me today. Holy Spirit, you do what I can't do today, and I depend upon you today. Let me say everything you want me to say. Let me not say anything I shouldn't say today, Holy Spirit, in your name, Jesus, amen. Well, today's title is, Did You Know? You know, there's that song, Mary, Did You Know? I can't say it's on my top ten list, but it's a very good theological song. Uh, But what I'd like to do is talk today about, did you know uh, some of the story behind the story? Sometime when we read the Christmas story, we say, oh yeah, that was so sweet, that was so neat, baby Jesus, you know, Virgin Mary, Joseph, and all of that. But when you look behind that, you're going to see that uh, they went through some tough times with, uh, first of all, anxiety and, uh, and a lot of other things. So I think you can identify with where we're going today and say, oh yeah, that Christmas story seems a little bit more real to me than ever before. But we've been unboxing joy, and the verse that we want to look at today is Luke 2 and 10. Would you read it with me? And let's read it together. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Of great what? Great joy, which shall be to some people. All people. So regardless of who you are today, the Lord wants us to have joy. And not only joy, but great joy. He wants that joy flowing in our life and in our heart. And he's the only reason we can do that. And I know that some of you are not very joyful right now. Maybe it's been a stressful week. Maybe you got bad news. Maybe Christmas season reminds you of a Christmas in the past that was very difficult. And so when we talk about joy, you just don't feel very joyful today. And, and I know that, and I understand that. I, and we, we've been talking about how that busyness, busyness causes us to not have joy. Uh, we talked last week about stress being difficult in our life. But I think that there's a place that we can get and realize that the Lord wants us to have joy. I I guess if we say that, do you have joy, we need to know what joy is. I think one of my favorite definitions is from Kay Warren, and it's there in your notes. Would you read it with me? Joy, that God is in control of all the details of my life. Let's pause there for a moment. Joy is a settled assurance that God is control, in control of all the details of my life. 
all the details, all of the details of my life, all right? The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in all things. In other words, joy then is a choice that I make. I choose to say that regardless of what I'm going through right now, I choose joy because the Lord said I could have joy, and I have joy because regardless of what I'm going through right now, I'm not going to stay there, but I'm going to go through what I'm going through, and everything's going to be all right, all right? Look at your neighbor and say, everything's going to be all right. Yeah, yeah, that, that brings a smile to your face, doesn't it? Uh, you know, just everything's going to be all right. The kids next door have learned this definition. It's a little shorter, and here it is. Joy is a settled, oh, I'm sorry. Joy is finding a way to be happy even when things don't go your way. Let's say be happy. So look at the other neighbor and tell them, just be happy. Scrooge. No, don't, don't tell them that. It'd be great if we could have joy all the time. I got to be honest, since we started teaching this series, I've had some of the greatest attacks in my whole life. Just, just a spirit of darkness, a spirit of heaviness, and a lack of joy. I don't know how many times this in the last three weeks, Anita has said, find your joy. I don't want to hear that again. Find your joy. But that's life. I'm saying, I, I, you not only face that, but I face that. Anybody else besides me in the last week or so ever had a little darkness or struggle with joy? Oh, man, I'm so glad. Turn the camera on, everybody. I want this, this service is good. The last service, nobody raised their hand. Fakes, phonies, hypocrites. No. I didn't ask that question in the last service. But I needed a little confidence. So when you raise your hand, that boosts my confidence just a little bit. We'd love to have joy all the time, but I know we don't. And uh, one of the reasons is, is because we have joy thieves, people and things that steal our joy. You've heard of the, the Grinch that stole Christmas? Well, we've been saying there's some Grinches that steal our joy. We talked about busyness and stress, and if you weren't here for those, let me encourage you. But today I want to talk about another one. This is your first fill-in in your notes. Be on guard for the Grinch of anxiety. The Grinch of anxiety, anxiety, stress, uh, worried, nervous, scared, afraid. You cannot be joyful and fearful at the same time. Would you agree with that? It's impossible for me to be full of fear and worry and stress and anxiety and have joy. You see, when, when uh, anxiety, when I allow anxiety to come in the front door, Guess what goes out the back door? My joy. But did you know that Mary had a lot of anxiety? She had a lot of anxiety. Would you look in your, in your notes there? And uh, I'm going to start actually in the 26th verse so you can look at the screen. And look at this in verse 26. Uh, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. Verse 27. To a virgin named Mary, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of the King David, verse 28. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. 
And I said that there was anxiety in Mary. Look at this very next verse. Verse 20, what is it? Verse 29. Confused and disturbed. Confused and disturbed. We don't often think about that when we think about Mary and the Christmas story. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Sometimes when, when difficulty happens in our life or anxiety or worry, what's the first thing we try to do? We try to figure it out. How can I figure this out in my own? But guess what? You can't figure out what you're going through on your own. That's why the Lord said that he wants us to have joy. He wants to help us. And then the angel said, the angel sees that Mary's trying to figure it out. And so some of you are trying to figure out where you are and what you're going through. And here's a word from the Lord, verse 30. Don't be afraid. And put your name in there, the angel told her. For you found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked a very normal question in the next verse. But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Now, the first Christmas was ex extremely anxiety-producing for this young girl. You say, well, why and how? Well, let me share with you just a couple of things. First of all, she's not very old. In fact, she's somewhere between the age of 12 at the most 15. So when you're reading this story... I want you to think about that. Some of you have kids that are 12 to 15. Now think about that. Would you want God to trust the coming of Jesus to your 12 to 14, 15-year-old child or grandchild? Probably not, right? Well, why do we think it's so, so different with Mary? She, she's not 20. She's not 30. They got married a lot younger then because they didn't. The average person died in their mid-30s. That was an average life. So they got married at 12, 13, 15. You were an old maid, and it didn't look like you was ever going to get married. Second of all, she's single, and now she's going to be pregnant. Can you imagine in the little town that she was living in, can you imagine the shame and the stigma that she experienced? Oh, there's that pregnant girl, Mary, that got pregnant with that bastard child before she was married. Can you imagine even Jesus being raised in that little town? All the tongues that were wagging, all the kids on the playground. Oh, there he is, Jesus, the one that didn't have a guy, doesn't have a father. You know, we call him a bastard around here. If that term bothers you, it's in the King James, okay? Because you need to hear that. That's what he went through. Because some of you think, oh, the shame I endure. God doesn't understand the shame. Excuse me. If you talk about understanding shame, it was on Mary with all that she had and the wagging tongues. It was on Jesus when he was a young child. You talk about anxiety to a young girl. And then virgin birth. That never happened before. And I don't think that it's happened since, right? How do you tell your mom? How do you tell Joseph? Uh, mom, I'm, uh, I'm pregnant with a big smile. Oh, you are? Who's the father? God. Yeah. But we don't read that in the way we read the story. Oh, it's so nice and cute. How, how do you tell your mom? How do you tell Joseph, I'm pregnant? And I know we've never slept together. And Joseph, 
excuse me, who's the father? God. You, you talk about some anxiety. You talk about some worry. And then after that, you're nine months pregnant, and you get a, you've got to get on a donkey, and you've got to ride a two- or a three-day trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It's a wonder her water didn't break on that trip, right? And then she gets to Bethlehem, and there's no room in any inn, and they have to go out in the stable or the cave with a bunch of smelly animals. And then when it comes time to deliver the baby, she doesn't have a midwife. She doesn't have an aunt. She doesn't have a mother. She has nobody. She has to deliver the baby by herself. And yes, there were birth pains. Jesus came the regular way that any child would come. In Genesis, it says that it talks about the procedure that that would happen. And you talk about anxiety producing. And then on top of that, she's told this. He's God. Now, how do you tell a 12 to a 14-year-old girl you're going to be responsible to raising the Son of God? Talk about pressure. Talk about peer pressure. Talk about difficulty and anxiety. No wonder the angel seven times when he comes, he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? Because anxiety steals our joy. Well, how do we respond to the Grinch of anxiety on the back of your notes? Here it is. We do as Mary did when she was afraid. She chose to trust God and to accept his plan. She did what? Say it with me. She chose to trust God and accept his plan. Let's say it again. She chose to trust God and to accept his plan. When Mary was afraid, she chose to trust God and accept his plan. I, someone in the last service was saying, Thank you for sharing that. We've been struggling with something that happened into our life, and we couldn't make sense of it. But both of us this morning, when, when you taught that, the Holy Spirit said, there's the answer. You've got to just trust God. Trust God when you don't understand it and accept his plan. His plan is bigger than all of our worries and our fears. Verse 30, yeah, give the Lord a hand clap. That's great. I appreciate that. Verse 34. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. That's an obvious question. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. I can see a little 15-year-old girl raising her hand saying, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, can you go into a little bit more detail about that? What is this overshadow stuff? That sounds a little scary. What does that mean to me? What's going to happen to my body? How can I have a child and, and I've never had sex? I, it sounds kind of weird to me. I have no idea how this can be. And the angel goes on and says, so the baby to be born will be holy. He'll be called the son of God. But look how Mary responds in verse 38. Look how she responds, choosing to trust God and accept his plan. Notice what she says. Everything you've said, let it come true. And the angel left her. She was traumatized by that. But don't forget, another translation says, the angel said, don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, you have been chosen by God for his purpose. Say purpose. You see, I don't have time to go into it today, but you've been chosen for a purpose too. 
You've been chosen for a purpose. Everyone here today has a God-given purpose for you to complete. Are you completing that? Or are you only worried about yourself? God put you on this planet Earth to make a difference, and you have a purpose. But you can miss it. You can miss it if you don't do what Mary did. She trusted God and accepted his plan. Accepted his plan. So let me pause and ask this question of you today. What are you anxious about this Christmas? What are you anxious about? What are you so uptight about? What's got you so nervous? What's got you worried today? Your finances? Worried that you'll never get married? Worried that your marriage is not going to make it? Worried about your kids? Worried about uh, a, a medical report? What keeps you up at night? What are you afraid of? I don't know what that might be, but I do know that we need to do the same thing as Mary did. We need to take those things that we're worried about, and we need to place them in the hands of the Lord. And then say something like this, God, this is bigger than me. This anxiety, this fear, this worry is bigger than me. I can't figure it out on my own. I don't know what I'm going to do, but here's what I choose to do this morning. On this Sunday, the 22nd, I choose to accept your plan for my life even though I don't understand it. If you say yes to that today, would you give the Lord a hand clap and say, that's me today. And you say, well, so what happens if I do that, if, if I make that same Mary decision? Here's the answer, verse 47 of Luke chapter 1. Mary said, look at this, how my spirit does what? Rejoices in God my Savior. Now I'm going to say this. You said this morning, Lord, I'm going to put this anxiety, I'm going to put this worry, I'm going to put this fear in your hands. Now the result is going to be this. Say it with me. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Let's sing it again. How my spirit rejoices. All right. Well, let's look at the second point. Anita's coming now to give us a second point. Give her a hand as she comes this morning. It's going to be a great one. Amen. So have you learned so far that all of this is a choice? Choices that you have to make because it just doesn't happen. Um, you know, we can be grinchy ourselves if we don't choose joy and choose to trust God and his plan, accept his plan. So there's another Grinch that we're trying to get rid of. This Grinch that steals our joy is disappointment. Number three, on the back of your paper, disappointment, disappointment. Now, sometimes disappointment comes from resentment. Where does resentment come from? You've been hurt. Somebody said something to you. Somebody did something to you. Uh, you know, as a kid, things were said over you that were very disappointing, and you have never really gotten over it, and you are resentful, and you hold on to that thing, and you remember it like it was yesterday, and you've been wounded, wounded, Wounded physically, wounded emotionally. Anybody, have you been ever wounded in your life? Yeah, things happen in our life. But we have to choose to not go there. We have to, we have to not over, uh, re replay it over and over and over in our mind. And, you know, the world is broken and life is not fair. God never said it would be fair. Stuff has, happens all the time in our life. Disappointments, hurts. Uh, you know, things that come and things that we can, we can just hold on to. And if we're not careful, it just kind of brings like a, like a dark shadow over you because you just don't want to let go of it. But, you know, you've been hurt. 
we don't think about this. We only think about our hurt. But we've all been hurt, and guess what? We have all hurt someone else. Maybe not on purpose, but there's probably things you've said or things that you have done that somebody else was hurt. So we have to look at that, and we can't live in that world of constantly hurting and then being resentful about it. We're all wounded. We've, some people have been hurt so deeply and wounded so deeply, and you've just held on to that thing, and you don't want to let it go. So I don't know all the ways that you've been hurt today, but I do know this. You have to figure out how you're going to deal with your response to that hurt. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about choosing joy. We're talking about even when I don't understand and things are not going my way, I'm going to choose joy. We, we, we see this when people get hurt when they were young and they just hold on to it and they're bitter and they're angry and they're mean and they're ugly and they're critical. And guess what? They don't get over it and then they die. Mean, critical, angry, right? They never get over it. So did you know that there's a story about disappointment in the Bible, in the Christmas story? Have you ever considered how wounded and hurt and disappointed that Joseph must have been? When Mary, all of a sudden, he, they're supposed to be getting married, and she, they, they're not married yet, but she comes up to him and says, hey, I need to tell you something, um, I'm pregnant. He's like, what? Knowing that they have never been together. They didn't live together. They didn't sleep together. So what's his immediate thought? She's been with somebody. Because guess what? God didn't tell Joseph what was happening. Now, he, he will eventually, but he didn't right then. He didn't tell Joseph. And she says, hi, I'm pregnant. How betrayed do you think he felt? How, like, he's cheated on. Like, she did some stuff that really wasn't good. He felt betrayed. He felt cheated. He felt extremely disappointed. So back in the day when they were betrothed, we don't use that word anymore. Um, it's kind of like engagement. But today when you're engaged and something happens and you're like, I'm glad I found out now before the wedding, but I'm done. I'm breaking it off. It's pretty easy. But back then... The betrothal was a legal contract that was signed that said, you are promising to marry that person, and you won't live for a whole year you, before you got married. So you're promised, you don't live together, you don't have sexual relations with each other, you're, you're, you're pure with, with that relationship, and you're promised to marry them. So when something happens, Mary shows up pregnant, he's like, what? Well, that wasn't me. So um, you'd have to get a divorce, an actual divorce. It wasn't just, I'm done with you, I'll see you later. You had to pursue a divorce. So you can see where Joseph was in like a crazy place of what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So God didn't tell him yet, and he has every right to be upset because, I mean, she was unfaithful, he's thinking. She was with somebody. And here's the cool thing about Joseph. He, after all those emotions, he did not retaliate. He didn't get ugly with her. He didn't attack her. He didn't tell her she was, you know, whatever words you want to put in the blank. He didn't seek revenge. He didn't get bitter. He didn't get resentful. But guess what he did? He showed her grace. 
So how, number four, do we overcome that Grinch of disappointment? Choose to offer grace and let it go. Choose to offer grace and let it go. Now, that's not easy to do, especially when you didn't do anything wrong. Choose to offer grace and let it go. Because he felt betrayed and he felt disappointed. Listen to Matthew 1, 18 and 19, what it says. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break that engagement quietly. Wow, he could have gotten real ugly, but he didn't want to disgrace her. He chose to offer grace and let that pain, let that hurt, let that disappointment, he let it go. Now, you know, God could have saved all that pain by telling Joseph. He could have said, okay, guys, come here, both of you. Mary, Joseph, I want to tell you something. Mary is going to get pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and then she's going to have the Son of God, and Joseph, you get to be the dad. Um, but he didn't do that. Why did, why did God not do that? Why, he could have very easily brought them both together and told them that. But he only told Mary, and I think that he didn't tell Joseph because he wanted to see what was going to come out of Joseph. He wanted to see Joseph's character. Because when things are going well, come on, it's easy to be like, oh, yay, God is good, hallelujah, my life is all joyful. But when something happens, it's very difficult, but we have to choose joy, choose joy joy. So he's testing his character. Now, will he be loving? Will, be he, care will he be caring? Will he be, um, you know, helpful? Or is he going to be mean and ugly? Is he going to say, Mary, you were unfaithful to me. I can't believe it. I'm just going to go find somebody myself. You slept with somebody. I'm going to do that too. Unfortunately, that happens today, doesn't it? But no, he didn't do that. You know, have you ever, like, most of you have had a bag of tea before. And if you have a tea bag, the, the container might tell you what it is. But you really don't know what's going to come out until when. You put it in hot water. You put it in hot water, and then what it's made of comes out. It's the same thing with our life. Whatever we're going through, that's what shows our character and what comes out. So when Joseph was hurt, he chose grace, and he chose to let it go. Now, Mary, pastor told us, was feeling anxiety and fear, and there's Joseph with disappointment and resentment and wounds, and you know, a lot of marriages are like that. One person is full of fear and anxiety, the other person is full of anger and, and, and resentment and disappointment. There's so many people that just live that way. It's human behavior. But Joseph said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to choose to offer grace and let it go. And that was a beautiful example of grace, wasn't it? Now, let me ask you this question. Who has hurt you the most? Hurt you in a way that nobody else has ever hurt you? I know that name just came to you immediately. 
because it was painful. But you got to let that go. Are you still holding on to that hurt? Really? Why? It doesn't do any good. You holding on to that hurt turns into resentment. You don't heal. You know, you, it gets worse and worse. And if you don't heal what hurts you, you're going to bleed on people that didn't cut you. Right? What happens? You start lashing out at everybody in your life. And they're like, what is your problem? I didn't do anything to you. That may be why you're not joyful, because you're holding on. You're not letting it go. So resentment is the worst thing that anybody could ever do. Because you just rehearse it over and over and over and over and over and over. And you're holding on and you're holding on. And you think if you keep rehearsing it, that somehow you're going to hurt them the way that they hurt you. Because you're going to get revenge by going over it and over and over it. And guess what? You're not hurting them. You're only hurting you. But you, don't, you think about what they did to me. And they're at Donut King having a mm, chocolate dipped vanilla inside double extra why did Donut King move here? Uh, that's my weakness. But anyway, they don't care. They don't think about it. But you keep rehearsing it over and over and over and over. They haven't thought about it in years. So listen closely. You cannot, you cannot succeed with resentment. You just can't. It's, a, it's, it's eating at you. It's, it's bringing up ideas and thoughts, and, and, and you just have to let it go. And you know what? Thousands of years before you were born, God knew you would be here today because he wanted you to deal with some of these things. I know this isn't like a, woohoo! I'm excited because you're talking about resentment and fear and anxiety. and No, but sometimes we have to deal with those things. We have to deal with them head on and let it go so God can bring us to that place of joy. And I know you're thinking, but they don't deserve my, they don't deserve forgiveness. No, I know. And neither did you or me. But God gave us forgiveness. So they don't deserve forgiveness. But when you forgive, you are allowing God to work in your life and bring you to that place of joy and, and, and living the way that he wants you to live. Now, Fortunately for Joseph, God didn't leave him in that state. And even though he chose grace, right, and to, and to be gracious about the whole thing and say, okay, we're going to do this quietly, then when God saw his heart, when God saw the character that came out in him, what did he do? What did he do? He then said, okay, in a dream, Jesus, uh, Joseph found out, what was going to happen because he said, I'm not looking for revenge. I don't even, I don't want to shame her. I just want this to go quietly. Matthew 1 verse 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So in his dream, he heard God say, you need to take her as your wife. Stop these divorce proceedings. You need to do this because I'm going to show you that the Son of God is going to be born. And you're going to name him Jesus. And the name Jesus means the Lord is your Savior. 
and we need a savior. So aren't you glad that Joseph passed that test and he chose to give her grace and God moved continually and said, okay, now that you passed that test, marry her and fulfill God's plan. Have you ever considered what he was going through? Not only did he want, you know, it was his reputation on the line too with all of his friends. Sure you didn't, Joseph. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the evidence. What are you talking about? Oh, you're, maybe you're not good enough, and she just cheated on you. I mean, his, his reputation was at stake as well. But by saying yes to God, Joseph knew that he had to say no to everything he had worked for. And that happens to us sometimes. We have to say no to some of the things that we're used to or some of the things we think we like or want to do. When we say yes to God, and it's so much better to say yes to God than ourselves. We don't understand it, but I want to say, yes, God. Yes, God. Can you say that? Yes, God. I'll do what you want me to do. Amen. So Joseph passed the test, and he said, rather than go on my feelings, I'm just going to go by what's the best and right thing to do. And that's what he pursued. You know what? He didn't get bitter. He wanted to be blessed. So he didn't get bitter. And I know if you want a blessing, you have to let that go. You have to let that go. And as I said, then Joseph is able to become the stepfather to Jesus. What an amazing thing that he gets to raise the Son of God, Jesus, because he passed that test and God blessed him and he didn't get bitter. How many people would rather be bitter? Anybody? Or would you rather be blessed? Come on, let me see. Who wants to be blessed? So I'm going to believe that today, whatever the Holy Spirit brings to your mind, that you're holding on to resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, whatever that is, you're going to let it go so God can move in your life and bring you blessings. Now you have to decide. I can't do it for you. You have to decide what you want in life. If you want to be, if you want to be blessed and not to be bitter, that is your choice. And God gives you that choice. You're going to choose like Mary to say, God, I trust you and I accept your plan. Or you're going to be like Joseph and you're going to show grace. You're going to choose to show grace and let it go when people hurt you. Then you're going to have the blessing of God on your life. And you say, I know, but I can't do that. I don't have the strength to forgive. I don't have the strength. Guess what? You don't need to have the strength. That's why you need a Savior. That's why we all need a Savior. That's why Jesus was sent on Christmas morning for, for, us to, for us to have a Savior. You need God's power, and the only way to have God's power is when you accept Jesus and when you get him in your life. And then the Bible says in Nehemiah 8 and 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And you have joy instead of bitterness and resentment and anger. And you don't have to go to anger management problems uh, uh, classes because you got rid of anger. Get rid of it. Yes, in Jesus' name, you can have joy. You can choose joy. This morning, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm going to 
give you an opportunity, like we do every week, to surrender your life to Jesus. So if you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I don't really know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've heard about him, but I've never fully surrendered my life to him. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to say, I want to do that. Because all the things that we talk about every Sunday here at the Father's house, you can't live a victorious life if you haven't submitted your life to Jesus. So if you're here this morning and you would say, yes, count me in on that. I want to submit my life to Christ. I want him to show me how to live my life. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Because to get rid of all that stuff, you can't do it by yourself. We have somebody else. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Someone over here. Thank you, Lord. You know the angels rejoice when one person says, I want to submit my life to Christ and believe that Jesus is Lord. So we're going to pray a prayer. Everybody says this prayer together because if you're a believer, you've already said it in your life. But I can give you the words. You have to put the heart behind it. But let's say this. Thank you, God. For saving me. I believe Jesus came to this earth, died on a cross, and was, was resurrected to be with uh, God in heaven. And he has forgiven me of my sins. I thank you, Lord, that I can have a, a brand new start and a new beginning because Jesus is the Lord of my life. Thank you in Jesus name. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps will be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com/next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.